You're listening to The Venue Podcast. The Venue is a worship gathering at Southcrest Baptist Church. We hope that this podcast helps you find your greatest pleasure and purpose in Jesus. Amen. Go ahead and grab a seat. Y'all ready to study the word, Southcrest? Yeah. Hey, turn in your Bible to 2 Timothy. We're going to be in 2 Timothy chapter 3 this morning. Man, I'm excited to, to dive in with y'all. 2 Timothy chapter 3 as we're continuing our, to work our way through the series called The Book. 2 Timothy 3. Warren told me uh, recently about something that happened in college that, uh, man, I thought was pretty hilarious. Um, she and some friends were at the beach. Uh, she went to University of North Florida, so not far from the beach at all. And they're at the beach one afternoon and she said no one was in the water. Like people were just all on the shore uh, doing the college thing, laying out, I guess. No one's in the water. Um, they're, they're near lifeguard stand right there, the guy, a uh, male lifeguard. And uh, they look out and they see a shark pretty shallow, like it's, it's in shallow water. And because no one's in the water, most of the people are just, just like watching it. But this one lady lost her mind. Like literally, ah, what do I do? Ran to the lifeguard stand and was like, you gotta do something, you gotta do something. He just looked at her and said, well, what do you want me to do? <laughs> like there's no one in the water. And she said, there's a shark. And he said, so don't get in the water. <laughs> I was like, this is good advice, right? This is good advice. When, I, when she told me that story, um, something that I, I, my brain kind of connected with is I think today Christians, we see the difficulties in our world. We see that the hardships brought on by a Christless culture. And we tend to kind of spaz out like the lady at the beach. Like, what are we gonna do? Is everything okay? We, we, we see the shark lurking in the water, so to speak, and it frightens us. Would anybody agree that as, you, you're on social media, you talk with people at work or friends, family, you watch the news, you look and you see this is a Christless culture. Would you say you see that? Okay, a little more, a little more talk here. Do you, you see that? Okay, yeah. W- would you be willing to say like, it can be kind of frightening. Like, I, know, I know Jesus wins, so I'm not like, what's gonna happen? How's it all gonna turn out? Like, ultimately, check, he wins, right? We know that's gonna happen. But still in the meantime, like, what, what, what do we do? It, it can be, kind of terrifying. And again, I think it stirs in this, kind of like the lady at the beach running to the lifeguard. What do we do? What are you going to do? I think we tend to feel like, well, God, what are we supposed to do in, in this culture that wants nothing to do with you? How are we supposed to live? What are we supposed to be busy doing? And I was preparing this message. I, I've studied this, or read over this text a lot, um, just in my life, but as I was preparing, I've never preached this passage, but the more I prepared and got closer to Sunday, I really do believe this may be the most important message I've, I've preached in the venue, which is like, you've only been preaching here not even two years. That's fair, right? So, but still, I think it's the most important. I didn't say most awesome, didn't say the most, most inspiring. I think it's the most important. So I, I, can't, I can't lob that at you very often because if, if I said that every week, you would just, man, whatever. But I'm saying that to you because I really want you to lean in. I know that it's been raining outside and we're all kind of in that snuggly, like just Sunday morning, Maroon 5, kind of like just relax, right? Um, but man, let's lean in because th- this is an incredibly important passage and word for us today. Y'all with me? Hey, let me, let me pray for us and we're gonna, we're gonna dive in. 
God, we are grateful for your word. And Jesus, would you just open our eyes this morning? Help us to, to see the, the hardships and the difficulties that are a reality in our world, but also to see how you tell us to live in these times. I'm gonna ask you just right where you're seated, would you just take a moment to pray and ask God to speak to you this morning, to, to give you ears to hear, eyes to see that you would be engaged this morning. Jesus, we love you and just ask that you would speak to us today. It's in your powerful, wonderful name that we pray, amen. As you can see on the screen, our, our focus text is really verses 10 through 17 this morning. But for context, I really think that you could say all of chapter three is, is one big section. But again, I don't have time for really gonna unpack this to do all of chapter three. But still, with that said, I wanna touch on a little bit of the context in verses one through nine, just so we kind of know where we're parachuting down into in our passage this morning. So if you will, look at, at verse one of chapter three with me. He says, but know this, Hard times will come in the last days. Know this, be sure of this, hard times will come in the last days. I was talking to my buddy Chris Rankin one time and he was saying, or home group, and he was saying, like, there's some Bible verses that are good coffee mug verses that you hang up on the wall. Like, people don't have this on the wall at their house, right? Like, like above the dining room table. But know this, hard times will come. Amen, brother, right? Like, it's, it's true though, isn't it? Hard times will come in the last days. Believe we're in the last days. Verse two, for people will be lovers of self, lovers of money, boastful, proud, demeaning, disobedient to parents, ungrateful, unholy, unloving, irreconcilable, slanderers without self-control, brutal without love for what is good, traitors, reckless, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, holding to the form of godliness, but denying its power. Paul tells Timothy, who he's giving these instructions, he says, avoid these people. <laughs> doesn't mean, just as a side, it doesn't mean you don't share the gospel with these people. It doesn't mean you never encounter them. You can't help but encounter them. But he's saying you don't run with these people. You don't do life with these people. Hard times will come in the last days. I think that the question that this whole chapter three kind of begs us to ask is what, are, what should believers do as we face the increasingly hard times of a Christless culture. What, what are we supposed to do? There are hard times people want nothing to do with God. They're lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. They're proud, they're boastful, they're lovers of self, lovers of money, they're slanders. They have no self-control. Is this our culture? The answer is yes. Like, y'all know Lubbock is kind of a bubble, right? And I think it's awesome. Like it's, it's, it's a good place, a great place to raise a family or to come to college. But even Lubbock is looking more and more like this, right? Right? Yeah, for sure. He says, hard times will come. What, what are we supposed to do? Besides just avoid these people, right? Like there's, there's, he's going to tell us more than that. His, the answer is not, so just stay at home, right? It's not the answer. Verses six through nine, I'm not gonna unpack all that. He kind of gives some examples of what it, what it looks like when people live this way, this, 
lovers of self, proud, lovers of pleasure. And even references the Old Testament, it gives an example there of these hard times that believers face. By the way, I wanna say this too. If you're, uh, you're taking notes, this, this is one of those one point messages. Not because there's not all kinds of beautiful truths here, but I think Paul to Timothy is driving one big idea and I promise I'll make sure you don't miss it. So if you're stressing about that and you wanna write some stuff down, it's gonna be okay, all right? <laughs> I got you. All right, so he says there are hard times. He gives this list of what it looks like, the way people are living. But then in verse 10, he kind of switches. So we're in the context of hard times, difficult times of a crisis culture. And in verse 10, he says, yeah, but Timothy, that, that, that's not you. That, that's not who you are. He says, you followed my teaching, my conduct, purpose, faith, patience, love, and endurance, along with the persecutions and sufferings that came to me in Antioch, Iconium, and Lystra. What persecutions I endured. And yet the Lord rescued me from them all. So Paul's saying, man, Timothy, you've done a good job. You're following my example. You're following the Lord. You're following him so much that you've even followed me into persecutions. You've seen the persecutions that I have endured. So Paul is telling Timothy, he's saying, even I, the apostle Paul, am not exempt of the hardships of a Christless culture. And if you're like, what were some of the hardships Paul faced? Great question. Read the book of Acts and you'll be like, oh, shoot. Like that dude faced some terrible hardships for the cause of Christ. He says, I've endured a lot. Christ has spared my life, Paul is telling Timothy, but he says, he hasn't spared me from the persecution. He hasn't spared me from the hardship. This is why the health and wealth prosperity gospel that like, just man, God, just everything's gonna be so good for you if you just follow him, everything will be perfect and easy. That is a load of, as Pastor David says, there's a Greek word for that, baloney, right? This, it's not true. In fact, you could argue that as you follow Christ, the, the opposite is true, that if you follow Christ, you can bet on, you can count on hard times in this Christless culture. And you're like, how can you say that? I didn't say it, Paul said it. Look at the text, the very next verse. He says, in fact, verse 12, all who want to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. Not Live your best life now. You will be persecuted to follow Jesus. If you follow Jesus, if you live out a godly life. It even, yes, even in America, this has happened, is happening, and will happen. While we've been, the persecution has been light or non-existent in some areas, if you follow Jesus, you will face hardship, persecution. You say, well, I've never faced that. Well, it could be, I'm not throwing stones here. It could be you're not living a godly life for the Lord, right? If I live just like the world, I should not expect to be persecuted because they think I'm one of them, right? So maybe you're not living for the Lord or maybe your, your time has not come yet. I don't mean like your time as in death. But maybe your time of persecution has not come. But Paul tells Timothy, all who want to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. So like, if you didn't sign up for that, just know that's what following Jesus, that's what you sign up for. <laughs> it's hard, it's difficult. The world is going this way and Jesus says, now nah, we're gonna go this way. <laughs> why, can we, 
bank on being persecuted? You know, they, they just keeps unpacking it. Verse 13, because evil people and imposters will become worse, deceiving and being deceived. Man, that's, that's, that's kind of scary, right? That evil people, there's kind of, there's, he's got two people in mind here. Evil people who more blatantly and openly don't follow Christ. He says, they're gonna become worse and worse, but also imposters. So this kind of goes back to the idea of even verse five. They hold the form of godliness, but deny its power. Imposters, people that claim to follow Jesus, claim to have some knowledge of him, of the word, but they're actually fake. They're actually not following Jesus. So maybe they're in it for themselves, or maybe they're just literally trying to deceive people, but they're a wolf dressed in sheep's clothing, as Jesus would say. He says, these evil people, these imposters are gonna get worse and worse. Do you feel encouraged this morning? <laughs> it's gonna get worse. What, why is it gonna get worse? He says, because he says they're gonna deceive, they're deceiving, and they are being deceived. And this, this, that's kind of terrifying. This is not a trick question. Evil people, imposters, they're deceiving and they're being deceived. So the question for you, for us to think about, who's deceiving them? Satan. Satan is deceiving people. What does Paul tell us in Ephesians? That we wrestle not against flesh and blood, right? But we wrestle against Satan, the enemy. Do not be a fool to think that some of the ideologies, and philosophies that are being thrown at the world today and at Christian and in opposition to Christianity today, do not for a second believe that those do not find their roots in Satan. Satan is out to steal and kill and destroy. Paul tells Timothy, man, evil people are getting worse, imposters are getting worse because they're being deceived by Satan. Hard times are coming. It's a crisis culture. Man, you, it blows my mind, like, you can get on, I'm not on TikTok, but some guys are showing me on like TikTok or Instagram. And there's like TikTok Instagram preachers today. Listen, just because someone has the, the little title reverend in front of their name does not give them authority. Like you should not give a flip. Can I say flip? I just, too late. You, can, you should not care that Dr. Brandon Hayes or reverend, like, psh, do I preach the Bible? Amen? Do I follow Jesus? That's what matters. So just because someone's on Instagram or TikTok and they're going viral and they're reverend or pastor, who cares? We have respect for authority, but if they're not teaching the Bible and following Jesus, then unfollow those fools. Don't waste your time because they're being deceived by Satan and they're trying to deceive you. Evil people and imposters are gonna get worse and worse. What, what are we supposed to do? So crisis culture moving against what Christ calls us to, what are we supposed to do? Not just how are we gonna survive, like how are we gonna truly keep pursuing Jesus when everything around us, the culture around us, the people around us wanna push us away from Christ? He tells us, verse 14, but as for you, by the way, look at me real quick. Maybe you're expecting this kind of like, oh man, this is gonna be so epic. Just wait. As for you, continue in what you have learned and firmly believed. He's building towards something. 
to you, what you've learned, what you firmly believed, you know those who taught you. So he says, you, you know the people, the example they set, the people that invested in your life and, and taught you and, and poured the gospel into you. you. You know those people that they, there's evidence of their life changed by the way they taught you. And then he's still building, verse 15, and you know that from infancy, since you were a little taught, you have known, here he goes, the sacred scriptures. What? What does Paul say to do? How do we live? How do we face the hard times of a Christless culture? What does he ultimately say? Continue in the what? Continue in the word. What a novel idea. People are getting worse. They're, they're, they're running away from Christ. They, they don't want you to follow Christ. Satan's deceiving people so they can deceive you. Everything is pushing you away from Jesus. What should you do? You should read your Bible. You should cling to the word. He says, continue in what you've learned and firmly believed. And again, he says, those things, what you've, uh, what you've been taught, what you believe, those things are rooted in the sacred scripture. I love the word continue in verse 14. It makes me think the late Eugene Peterson, he was a longtime pastor. He said, uh, he coined the phrase, a long obedience in the same direction. See, there's nothing, there's nothing flashy or crazy or sexy or new about reading the Bible, but it's fruitful. I don't normally like geek out on Greek stuff because we have great translations, but it's interesting that continue in verse 14, at root, the Greek word, it's the same word that Jesus uses in John 15. I'm the vine, you're the branches. If you remain in me, if you abide in me, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. It's the same word, continue. Remain. Keep going in the word. So in case you missed it, what should, we, what should believers do as we face the hard times of a Christless culture? Cling to the word. Well, what's so special about the Bible? That's a great question. And the Bible tells us. <laughs> He says, halfway through verse 15, the sacred scriptures are able to give you wisdom for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. The Bible shows us, unpacks for us how to come to faith in Christ Jesus, how to come into a saving relationship with God. And how is it? It's not through good works and being awesome and being spiritual. No, it's through repenting of your sin and repenting from your self-righteousness and turning to Jesus, the only one who can save you. It's through faith in Christ Jesus. To recognize that from the very beginning of Genesis, we see that humanity is broken and sinful and messed up. And we read through the kings and like sometimes, like, oh man, they're a hero. And then they totally botch it like King David and they fall away from God and they do these stupid things. Over and over, scriptures from the beginning to the end point us, the scarlet thread that runs from the beginning to the end points us to Jesus, the all-sufficient Savior. He says the scriptures, they, they show us how to be saved. You know that literally, people, I, I can point to people in this service that they were saved 
because they read the Bible. <laughs> they read the Bible. God spoke to them through his living, active word, and they came to faith in Christ. That's why, like, maybe when the Gideons, I didn't plan to say this, it just came to mind, like, which is dangerous, but like when the Gideons come and they talk about what their ministry where they hand out Bibles, the reason South Crest is still a big supporter of the Gideons is not because Gideons are awesome, which they are, it's because the Bible is awesome. And when you put the Bible in people's hands and they read it, it changes their life. He says, it's wisdom for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. And more than that, he says, all scripture, how much of it? All, every bit of it, even Leviticus. Yes, even Leviticus is inspired, a more literal translation, I like a better, to me it's a better translation what the ESV I think uses is breathed out by God. All scripture is inspired, breathed out by God. So this is not just ink on pages, it's breath on pages as one pastor said. This idea of intimacy that God's very word is right here on these pages. We, we, we joke sometimes, I've said this before, and people say, man, I just wish God would speak to me. You know there's a book for that, right? It's called the Bible. This is God's word to you. It's inspired by God, breathed out by God, and is profitable, useful, beneficial for teaching, for rebuking. So he, has, he puts these in couplets, so like double. So teaching is the positive, rebuking would be a negative. So teaching the truth. So the Bible is where we get, we understand what truth is, absolute, undoubtable, undeniable, inarguable, if that's a word, truth. It, we teach truth from scripture. It teaches truth. But we also, it's profitable for rebuking. So it's profitable for showing what is not true. So that's why if, if you, which this like never happens, but if you caught me after the service and like wanted to argue something, I said like, we're, we're just gonna, what does the Bible say, right? Who cares what Brandon says? What does the Bible say? We rebuke with the Bible. We correct error. And then it, this second couplet, he says, it's profitable, it's useful, it's beneficial for correcting and for training in righteousness. So how do we know when we should correct wrongdoing and the way we're living is not right and what would please God? We look to what? The Bible. How do we train to live a godly life, to walk in faith, to listen to the Holy Spirit, to keep our eyes on Jesus, to live a fruitful life for Jesus? How do we do that? How do we train for that? The Bible. <laughs> The Bible. I love these two words. It says, or this next little phrase, so that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. So, so just don't miss that so that. So he doesn't say it's profitable for teaching, for, rebu for rebuking, for correction, for training in righteousness, like as just arguing theology was all that matters. No, that's silly. He says, we do that so that we, the people of God, may be complete. The idea is well-fitted. We're ready to go. Equipped, picture there, fully furnished. Like we got all we need in the house. The house is ready to roll for every good work. <laughs> I love the, the word equipped. Equipping is one of our core values at Southcrest. The best way we can equip you to walk with Jesus is to teach you to read and love the Bible. <laughs> Because as you read and dig in and love the Bible and live it out, you are equipped to live out the Christian life. Like we could, like, what's, what's, your, what's your strategy for equipping people at South Crest? The Bible. <laughs> no, come on, there's more to it. The Bible. <laughs> a 
quip that there's this picture there, often in scripture of, or in the Greek, I should say, of, I said fully furnished, fully furnished, but also having all the, the clothing you need. You have everything you need to live life. I wrote a little phrase in my Bible because it helped me remember it. The Bible is where I go to complete my spiritual wardrobe. I think about school going back and I remember growing up and like, you may do some back to school shopping. I guess that's still a thing. I don't know, I'm getting old, not really. But like, it's still a thing, students? Do some back to school shopping, even college students? You're like, you borrow mom and daddy's money? You're like, yeah, let's go. And you're like, well, okay, I need this for that class, or especially for in high school, I need like a gym class, or I gotta get my football stuff. Like, and you think, I have to go, you may have to go to these different stores to get all that you need. When it comes to your Christian life and being who God called you to be, there's one place to go shop for the clothes you need, it's the Bible. You don't have to go anywhere else, the Bible will fully clothe you to walk with Jesus, to have everything you need. It's not like, well, the Bible plus, you know what? I need to see what this other person says. Let me time out for a second. We should totally read lots of books. We should read up and study. But if you for a second think that, well, I wanna see what the Bible says, but before I form my opinion, I really should see what these people say too. Eh, wrong. The Bible is all you need to be fully equipped to walk with the Lord. Do we value people's opinions? Do we wanna hear their stories? Yes, but they are not authoritative. The word of God is. Cling to the word. Continue in the word. I'll give you lots of little metaphors there, but I can't help but go back to the story I opened with about Lauren being at the beach and that lady freaking out when the shark was in the water and she ran to the lifeguard. I love, I love like her spasticness over the shark. I love his response of don't get in the water. <laughs> Like the solution to, oh, this is crazy. The solution is really simple. Like it's not exciting. Like if it was Texas, he'd be like, let me get my rifle, right? Like boom, like shoot the shark. We don't allow that in Florida, I guess. Probably not in Texas either, but the solution wasn't this crazy. Like I've never thought of that, Mr. Lifeguard. He was just like, just, just don't get in the water. Just, just don't do that and you'll be okay. I feel like that's God through Paul. That's kind of what he tells us today. Like, Man, it's hard, it's a crisis culture, the world's moving backwards, what are we gonna do? And, and God through Paul's like, just read, read the Bible. Like, study it. God, God gave you the word, so like, why are you ignoring that? Continue in the word, cling to the word. Yeah, but I've, Brandon, I've, I've heard that before, honestly. You've heard that before because it's the truth. The question is, are you reading it? Are you memorizing it? Are you studying it? Are you digging into it and delighting in it? Uh, MDV, uh, he's the chief fitness officer at this group called NC Fit. And he says, don't get disappointed about the results you're not getting for the work you're not doing. <laughs> Did you follow that? I love that quote, even though it has to do with fitness. Apply it to the Bible. Like, don't get upset about the results you're not getting for the, for the work you're not doing. Dig into the word. Brandon, I just, I just don't have time. Do you really wanna have said that? <laughs> like, you, you get to heaven, 
And you're talking, I'm not saying this is how it goes, but just imagine with me for a second. And you're talking with the Lord and he's like, man, you, you struggled down there. Like, man, you were, you did not walk with me. You weren't, I mean, yes, you were saved, but you weren't really pursuing me and you weren't living out your faith. He's like, I, I gave you the Bible to grow you, to equip you, to live out your faith, to, to have everything you need for every good work. Lord, I, I'm, I'm just busy. <laughs> Come on. You say, I, I, I don't know what to do. I don't know how to, I don't know how to approach it. I, I kind of, I kind of, I can empathize with that a little bit, but not for long. We are the most resourced generation the, of Christians the world has ever known. Like, I, I, I'm serious to give you permission. If you're like, dude, I just don't know where to start. I don't know what I should do to read the Bible. You have permission. You don't need my permission, but right now I actually encourage you pull out your phone and Google or whatever you use, Bible reading plan. And it's crazy. Here's what you do. Every day you have a set time, you get your Bible and you read it. <laughs> what? <laughs> but I'm serious. Like, you read the living, active word of God and it'll change your life. Oh, come on. No, no, read it. <laughs> read it. man, Brandon, I feel like I'm just not growing. Like I have been reading it, but you're saying like you're gonna grow and you're equipped. I don't know that I feel that. I've been there before. I'm there plenty of times. Let me ask you, do you, I'll say it this way. You don't every time you eat a meal, get up and just like, oh, my life has been changed. I mean, like every now and then, right? <laughs> like every now and then, like, man, like, like Thanksgiving, Christmas, maybe you're like, oh, that was I thinking. But like most of the time, it's just a meal. But if you don't eat, you're gonna know real quick how important it is to eat. Not every time you read the Bible, you're gonna be like, I am so different and empowered. But I promise you, you're different than when you don't read it. And we're, we're so impatient. We're so, I wanna, every time I read it, I just wanna feel different. Like, continue a long obedience in the same direction. And Paul David Tripp he was talking about this, this, he wasn't talking about reading the Bible, he was talking about this idea of how we were so impatient in our culture. And I love his words on this, I have to share them. He says, I am deeply persuaded that the church of Jesus Christ has been way too influenced with the short attention span, next best thing, instant gratification, and easily bored culture of the society in which we live and do our work. We are tempted to chase the next big worship phase and pay too much attention to the next hot young leader. We are too influenced by social media flashes, too interested in strategies for quick results and success, and too willing to search for the key to this or that that would launch our lives into a different stratum. We are tempted to like quick and dislike slow. We are tempted to esteem new and disrespect old. We are attracted to new ideas instead of ancient truths. We are tempted to search for new and better ways instead of the old tried and true ways. We are tempted to focus on the moment instead of our own potential legacy. The culture around us tends to lack patience and an esteem for long-term process. And I'm afraid we've begun to lack patience too. Most of the time, the way God changes our lives is not through an event, but through a process. 
Men, for sure, we go to a camp and God, God saves us, or men, one Sunday morning totally changes your life. But the big picture of your life, when we get, back, we get to heaven and look back at how the process of sanctification, the process of him making us more like Jesus, key word, it'll be, we'll look and see a process. There'll be some key moments, but it's a process. If you aren't reading your Bible, you're trying to, to shortcut the process, and that will never work. Continue, abide, remain, dig into scripture. I think if we're honest, most of us would, would admit that our perspective on the Bible is kind of cold. Even if you're reading it daily, it's easy to, to gravitate, I think because of the crisis culture, it's to, easy to gravitate towards this cold view of the Bible. And I think one of the reasons is in the States, we're so blessed with the Bible everywhere. Like probably most of you have multiple Bibles at home. And if you don't, there's one in front of you, you can take it and keep it (laughs) in the chair back. Or maybe on your phone, you have the scripture and that's the way you use it. And it's almost that... um, it's so familiar, the curse of familiarity. Like we, we come, become numb to it. We forget this is God's holy word. I want us to, I'm gonna finish with, I'll have a few closing remarks after this video, but I wanna close with a video that shows a people group getting the New Testament and their language for the first time. They're gonna reference it being all of God's word and it, they know that the Old Testament is God's word too, but they've never had anything to go from nothing to really nothing to Matthew through Revelation. That they're blown away. Watch and see how God speaks to you. If you were encouraged by today's message, subscribe and rate us wherever you stream your podcasts. To learn more about the venue at Southcrest, visit us online at southcrest.org or on Facebook and Instagram by searching for Southcrest Baptist Church. 